welcome to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the new shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We talk all things Ohio State football and talk to and about other women in and around Buckeye athletics. I'm your host, Tia Williams. And I'm your co-host, Meredith Hines, subbing in for Alexis Chasen, who's a little tied up with her new baby boy. So congrats, Alexis. You can follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith Hine, that's H-E-I-N, myself at Tia Williams, that's Tia A.A. Williams, and of course the site at LandGrant33. Thanks for tuning in for episode three. Our special guest today is SB Nation's Senior Talent Manager for Team Brands, Gina Thomas. Gina also covers the Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons for SB Nation's TheFalcoholic.com. Love that name. <laughs> but we're going to be talking all about how she balances her two roles, her hot takes on the NFL, and of course, Ohio State football. So without further ado, welcome Gina. Hey, thank you so much for having me. We're so excited. So I guess before we get into our questions, did you guys see the Kent State field hockey fiasco where they called the match early so that their pre-football game fireworks at a different field could start on time? Yes, daytime fireworks. Yeah, every yeah. everybody everybody's a fan of noon fireworks. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was a it was a very silly, silly story out of this past uh, college football weekend. Oh my god, I didn't even think that it was daytime. And <laughs> sitting here, I'm like, we why can't you just do away with the fireworks? Why do they have to happen? Your the hockey went into overtime. Yeah can can you even see fireworks in the daytime? I don't know because typically people don't set off fireworks in the daytime. Are they like it make sparklers? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. But yeah, I think that it was it was really unfortunate for the field hockey team too. And I, we all know revenue versus non-revenue sports, and there's a disparity in how those sports are treated. But yeah, I, I was really disappointed to see all of that. Honestly, yeah. You're going to see the argument that football makes the money and whatever you want to say. But, I mean, it wasn't even for the football game. It was for the fireworks. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to say, oh, come back seven hours later at 530, then why can't you just delay, you know? It just, yeah, I feel I feel for those girls. Okay, so let's get into it, Gina. Um, based on your tweets... This may be a touchy subject um, for my weekend, but how was your NFL opening weekend? Well, um, one of my nicknames at the Falcoholic is Gina Mad Online Thomas, and that's typically because <laughs> I am mad online during Falcons games, and I definitely lived up to my nickname this weekend. It was a complete catastrophe. I don't know how this team even managed to look so bad. I think that they might have had to try to look that bad. So, you know, they just... They let Dalvin Cook run all over them. It was just a, it was a disaster on both sides of the ball. Some of it, I think, was week one rust. You know, you had guys like Matt Ryan, who only played a few series in the preseason. Julio Jones didn't play at all. They had some shakeups along the offensive line at the last, or during the game, actually. Their first round pick at a right guard was lost for the season with a fractured foot. He's on injured reserve now. And they were alternating players at the right tackle spot. And so it was just a complete mess across the board. So it makes me, it makes me nervous going into um, a, a game against the Eagles this weekend, but yeah, it was not the most fun opening weekend, but I am glad that football is back. At least there's the bright side, I guess. Yeah, there you go. 
Do you just, do you cover the Falcons or are you also a fan? I am also a fan. Um, I actually, I moved to Atlanta from Ohio, from Central Ohio, Marion, representing here, um, home of the Popcorn Festival and one of the worst presidents in American history, Warren G. Harding. Um, But I moved down here in 2005. I actually really missed Ohio State football. And that is part of the reason that I became invested in the Falcons. And so I started following them as a fan in 2005. And then in 2010, I started writing for the Falcoholic and just kind of took it from there. But yeah, I I am a fan. It's hard to write for a site called the Falcoholic if you're not actually a fan of the team, you know? (laughs) I know, it gets you really committed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Um, So you talked about moving to Atlanta, but and being a fan of Ohio State football initially, what really made you fall in love with sports from the beginning? You know, I was fortunate to grow up with a dad who was a high school position coach. So I grew up going to two a days with my dad. I mean, some of my earliest memories as a child are being out on a football field on an August morning while I'm watching offensive linemen do drills. And so it's funny now to go to training camp and things like that, because even a lot of the drills are the same. And it's just like (laughs) being back out on that field with my dad. I've always really enjoyed that part of it. So that's why I also grew up with a dad who it never even occurred to him to talk to me about sports differently than he talked to my brother. And so when I was in elementary school, my dad was teaching me how to take score at a baseball game, you know? And so I think because my dad made sports feel like they were as much my place as my brother's, um, I think that I've always felt very comfortable in that realm. That reminds me of um, the girl in Remember the Titans. (laughs) People have said that to me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I always looked up to her. (laughs) Yep. So did you always want to cover sports? Like, did you know you wanted to be in the sports media industry? You know, I really didn't. Uh, I knew that I wanted to write, and that's something that I've always been good at and that I've always enjoyed. So I was the director of marketing and um, business development at a wedding and special events venue that closed during the economic downturn in the late 2000s. And so I got laid off, and that left me with plenty of time to just go hang out at open practices at training camp and tweet about it. And the editor at the Falcoholic saw my tweets and I wasn't doing anything else. He just asked me if I minded writing up some observations and I did and people really liked it. And so that's how I got started. Um, so yeah, I, I know I did not see myself landing here, but once I did, it just feels like the most natural fit for me that I've ever had in my career. Yeah. I feel like that that's almost always the case, at least with the girls that we've, that I've talked to and like our last guest and, um, What about you, Meredith? It's actually in a very similar way. I had just moved back to Ohio from Texas um, and was very excited to have regular access to all of Ohio State's football games. Um, My husband actually happened to see a tweet from Land Grant um, that was uh, soliciting for new writers. And he said, you absolutely have to do this. And here I am like five years later. So um, It's been an awesome journey so far, but yeah, I agree. It's kind of been um, just that passion that really drives you to um, love the sport um, and then just um, something that clicks that gets you involved. Um, So it's been awesome. But um, Gina, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your actual role uh, at SB Nation um, as senior talent manager, uh, specifically, like what are your responsibilities and how does that differ from you know, being an actual writer. Sure. And, you know, some background, I was a national writer for SB Nation for three years. Um, I started as a part-timer on the news desk and then 
I was full-time covering the NFL for SB Nation during the 2016 and 2017 seasons. And then um, after the 2017 season, this role that I'm in now, the talent manager role, became available. And my primary responsibility is getting to help our site managers at our 300-plus um, well, about 300. I can't remember the exact number, but our, all of our team brands, I help them recruit and bring in the, the best fits for, for their communities. And so one of the things that we're really focused on at SB Nation is making sure that we are covering teams from a diverse array of voices and perspectives. And, you know, sports media can be really homogenous. It can be hard to feel like you're the only woman in the room or the only woman on the masthead and or the only person of color. I mean, it's it's a... It's, it's a very white male dominated industry. And so what excites me about SB Nation's team brands is that it doesn't reflect the industry as a whole. And part of that's because we can be so focused on improving diversity. And it, we still have a long way to go. But I think that that's probably my favorite part about the job is helping people who would have a more difficult path into sports media, helping them kind of get a foot in the door and helping to um, just diversify the perspectives across our entire network. That's really exciting to me. That's such an amazing mission that you're still helping to perpetuate while you are still contributing um, through SB Nation, through Falconaholic. Um, Mm -hmm. So how are you able to balance those two roles together? You know, it is uh, not always easy this time of year. I try to be up at the Falcons facility at least twice a week um, for practices and things. One of the things that I've had to do is just cut out covering games um, because I'm working so many hours during the week and I actually don't enjoy it. I'm really happy to get our other contributors to games because it's a novelty for them. They're excited about it. I, on the other hand, have to, you know, wear a dress and heels and be all fancy walking around on my feet for 10 hours. And it's just not my scene on Sunday. I'd rather be at home watching. Um, it helps a lot that my boyfriend it, like helps a ton around the house. So it's not like it's all on me to also keep everything clean and cook every night and all that kind of stuff. So that helps a ton. But uh, other than that, like this time of year, it's just a lot of long days. And I have a lot of responsibilities at my regular job. I've had to cut back on my writing some. I can't write as much as I would like to because it's not my full-time job, but I'm at least able to get those story ideas and help our writers develop them and things like that. So it's a balancing act, but it is my favorite time of year. I just try to remember that on days like today when I'm super tired. (laughs) Now, is that more like you're reaching out to people or do people reach out to you more often? It's both. Um, I do active recruiting and I work with a a variety of like NABJ and NAHJ and um, awesome chapters around the country to try to get our job postings in front of more people. I have a lot of contacts at university papers all across the country. So I'm constantly reaching out to people in that way. But I also am kind of the first point of contact for anybody who's interested in writing for SB Nation. So if I had to guess, I bet that I send like 75 to 100 emails a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, a big part of my job is emailing people. It's better than phone calls. <laughs> that is very true. But I do spend a lot of my time doing that also. <laughs> yeah. So you did mention, you know, it's definitely a white male dominated industry. So at any point in your sports media career, whether it was at the very beginning, like when you just started writing Um, or even in your current position, has being a woman ever been an issue? Have you faced any kind of adversity, big or small, in a press conference or the office? I have to say, and I think that this is because I've covered different teams. I covered the Rams in the Super Bowl this past year. So, and I've been in, you know, I've covered 
different like Falcons away games and have gone into. So I've been around other teams a little bit here and there. Um, But with the Falcons, at least I have had zero issues. And I think that that's kind of a standard that's set from the top down. The owner, Arthur Blank, would never tolerate somebody treating a woman differently than they treat their male colleagues. But it's also just a really good group of local media in Atlanta. I have been credentialed with the team since 2013. So I've you know, been around for a while. And by now, you know, everybody knows me. They're just like my friends and my colleagues. So I've never had an issue there, not with the, not with the staff, not with coaches, not with players, not with my colleagues. I will say, I think that my worst experiences came when I was covering the league nationally. And it would be anytime I would write about a sensitive topic. And, you know, I covered the Ezekiel Elliott suspension extensively. I wrote like a 13,000 word explainer of the entire timeline of it and everything that happened. And um, I got a lot of really ugly emails about that. I wrote something about Beth Moens calling play by play and why she was qualified to do that. And I got some of the worst emails I've ever gotten. Um, I've gotten death threats for saying that Jameis Winston shouldn't have told the girls in a classroom to sit down and be quiet, that girls are supposed to sit down and be quiet. I got, yeah, death threats over that. So I would say that my worst interactions have come from readers via the internet. I think that that anonymity really empowers people to be at their worst. And so thankfully, in the day to day at my job, I haven't had any issues. And I feel very thankful for that, because I know that that's not the norm. Um, But yeah, I've I've certainly had my share of run ins with people who do not want to hear a woman talking about sports or read a woman writing about sports on the internet. I see tweets all the time that just make me want to throw my phone out the window. And Like, one of my role models is Mina Kimes. So when she was the color analyst for that Rams preseason game, I was on Twitter and I just was scrolling. And I'm like, I want to tweet back, but I won't. But these people are just like, you think it's the 1800s or something. I'm like, yeah, 2019 and a woman is finally calling a game. You know, I just I can't believe that there aren't more women calling games. It blows me And Mina's fantastic. I thought she did a spectacular job with it. She's She's so smart and she's so funny. She's so good at everything she does. Um, So yeah, that's if if Mina Kimes is going to get those kinds of comments. I mean, I think it's not surprising that most women in sports media do, but it's it's unfortunate. It's unnecessary. Agreed. So I have to ask, you mentioned earlier about the importance of diversity and inclusion at SB Nation. So as someone who really is managing this process, what are you telling um, younger women who are coming into the industry to help them maybe stand up to the stigma um, and really overcome um, a lot of the negativity that you mentioned before? You know, this is something that it took me a while to learn, but I think what's important is kind of finding your niche as far as the way that you are comfortable talking about sports and then lean into it and, you know, really put your voice into it and help your readers understand why you're passionate about it in this way. I learned very early on that as much as I like and understand the game, I'm not an X's and O's breaking down film kind of person. Um, And so for me, like my strengths are different. And now I lean into those strengths. I like doing reported features. I like asking players, you know, some kind of fun question and coming up with the answers and sharing that helping readers get to know players in a different way. But I think that there's such a wide range of, of ways that we can cover sports now and, you know, to reach readers and viewers and listeners in different ways. And so my best advice is, Figure out what you enjoy the most, figure out, you know, what you're best at in this field, and then really lean into that and really exercise your voice in that way. 
Absolutely. And speaking of those passion points, we do want to ask if you had to choose between college football and the NFL, which one would you choose to cover? So I've got to I've got to ask, though, in this scenario, if I choose the NFL, does college football still exist? I just can't watch it. It would be, what would you prefer to cover? You can still watch it all you want. <laughs> I hope college football never goes away. That would be a terrible world to live it in. It would be. I know. I can't, I can't imagine doing without either of them. I was thinking I could pick the NFL and still just, like, root for the Ohio State players who, who come into the league. But, yeah, it's, it would be really hard for me to choose. And, see, for me, it's I love covering the Falcons, and I think that that's the aspect of the NFL that I love the most. I love it's such a privilege to get to cover a team that I actually like. I, I enjoy it more than I can even tell you. But I love Saturdays because I don't have to work. <laughs> I can just <laughs> enjoy football as a fan. And so for me, they both have they both have a very strong appeal, but they have slightly different appeals. Yeah, I think I just love college football so much because of Ohio State. Oh, and I'm spoiled because I grew up with it. I'm 43 years old now. And, you know, I knew all the words to the um, to fight the team across the field when I was two. And the only swear word I was allowed to say as a child was damn, because I could say we don't give a damn about the whole state of Michigan. Um, so, I mean, I was raised. <laughs> I yeah. was raised to be an Ohio State fan. And so, yeah, it would be really hard for me to give that up. So speaking of that, how do you feel about the Ohio State Cincy game? I I was truly not expecting that blowout. I was, um, I felt silly for thinking that it wouldn't be a blowout because I was not expecting it either. But I'm really excited about Justin Fields and I'm really excited about the way that Ryan Day is playing players to the strengths. I think that they just look so good so far. Oh, for sure. Like Justin Fields is performing how I thought he would in week six and we're in week two and he's, I just love what I'm seeing out of him. So what are your expectations for the team? As as good as they looked, and the thing is, we know that Fickle had that team ready to play Ohio State. I, I still really like Luke Fickle. You know, I too. And I think that he's a really good coach, and I think that that's going to be a strong program under his leadership. But, um, yeah, I think that I'm not really worried about Michigan, and so that's good. This is a team that could easily go – undefeated. I mean, I, I have a hard time picturing a scenario where they lose a game. Now there's going to be some game this year. That's just completely ridiculous. Like Iowa a couple of years ago, and it's gonna, you know, they're going to look like <laughs> it happened. It, it's a proud Ohio state tradition of making me really, really angry at least one Saturday in the fall for no good reason. It's going to be Nebraska. I bet. I bet you're right. And Nebraska would make sense. Yeah. And Western circled on my calendar Friday night in Evanston. Oh, yeah, that is not going to be an easy one either. Yeah, I hope it's not tomorrow or not tomorrow, this weekend. I mean, Indiana always scares me every year. <sighs> well, and I'm trying. I guess it was the year Tevin Coleman, the former Falcon, came out. So this was probably 2014 or so. I remember my brother was coming down to visit. I was picking him up at the airport. So we were listening to it. And all I heard was Tevin Coleman running all over them. And I'm like, Indiana, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. How is this happening? You sneak up. All right. Thank you so much, Gina, for coming on the show. It's been so fun. You're an inspiration to me. I like, I love following you on Twitter. Guys, she's hilarious. If you don't already, be sure to follow her at Gina Thomas. That's J-E-A-N-N-A -N -N -A Thomas. You won't regret it. <laughs> thank you so much. 
that's it for today but we'll be back next thursday and every thursday after that with new shows again i'm meredith hine you can follow me on twitter at meredith hine and my wonderful co-host tia williams at tia with two a's williams with three a's i'm sorry and of course at landgrant 33 to follow our site and as always go back go bucks go bucks